Lisi, and I have a gluten allergy. And I'm Lucy, and I have celiac disease. And this is Gluten-Free Gaming. And today we're talking about Undertale, which there's, oh my God, so much to talk about. But before we get into all that fun stuff, since your last checkpoint, Lucille, since it's been a while, what have you been up to? Uh, yeah, since my last, since the last checkpoint, I have been playing a lot of video games. Um, Woo! I have obviously been playing the new uh, Animal Crossing update, which we are going to cover in a future episode soon because I love it. Um, We're not going to cover the update alone. We're going to cover Animal Crossing, obviously. Yes, in all its glory. And all the theories. Um, (laughs) but Which uh, we have several. (laughs) I also played a bit of Hollow Knight before it got really hard for me. (laughs) Amazing. And love that. I played a horror video game called um, Layers of Fear. Uh, I played that on Halloween. I feel like I played a lot of games. <laughs> um, yeah, that's all I can think of right now. But uh, I played a lot of Hollow Knight and it got really hard really fast. It's a really hard game. It's not fair. I've been meaning to download that one and um, Shovel Knight because they're both like, they're not like the same. They're not super similar but they're like kind of in the same vein of like platforming and like hard grindy games yeah I feel like so the thing with Hollow Knight is that the grinding is really not a thing like your character doesn't get much better like there's no Mm. like XP there's no like there's not a consistent amount of like upgrades to get which can be really frustrating (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's like where I'm at right now is just like I haven't the upgrades that I need to get are too hard to get yeah and until I can get those upgrades I cannot make any more progress (laughs) it's so frustrating but we we're thinking about are we playing I think we're thinking about playing Shovel Knight for the season um yes yes that is late into the season but yes that's the plan but yeah that's my uh that's my last check since my last checkpoint that's what I've been doing um what about you uh lots of stuff I survived midterms um I've been playing a lot of Stardew Valley getting way too invested in the individual characters it's been fun I have two girlfriends yay tell them Um, tell them the big news you can catch fish oh I can catch fish yes it's so natural to me now it's like it's my flex. So like, I didn't even think about it. No. Um, but yeah, no, I can catch fish now, which is fun. Except for like, sometimes like recently there was this like time where the bar just went fucking crazy. I don't know. I feel like sometimes the game wants you to lose, but well, some fish are harder to catch than others. I guess that would make sense. But anyways, yeah. And I've made it all the way to winter from spring. Um, and I've been catching fish and dating all of the characters like I said, I have two girlfriends. So there's 12 dateable characters, I believe, in the game. Yes. Um, I'm also going to probably make Alex my next boo. And then I'll be dating three people. And then I can date all of them at once. Um, you know, eventually you can, like, get a roommate. Yes. I've spent some time on the wiki and spoiled some things for myself. So, anyways, this isn't the Stardew Valley episode. So I will try not to divulge all of my thoughts on the game so quickly. Um what else have I been doing? I've been, I've 
recently decided to take up piano again because I learned piano for like five years in middle school and not middle school, but like elementary through all five years of all five years of middle school. Uh, thankfully it was only three, but, um, yeah, now I, I learned piano for a while and then I realized that I didn't actually know how to read the sheet music. I was just memorizing the songs as my piano teacher taught them to me. So anyways, I've been trying to just not learn how to read music because that's not my goal. My goal is just to memorize cool songs like the Me Channel theme. Oh my god! So I am now trying to memorize the Me Channel theme. Um, <laughs> and also, apropos for Undertale, um, I was trying to um, learn how to play the theme from Asgore during the fight with him because it's one of my favorite songs on the um, the soundtrack. So, anyways, so yeah, that's what I've been up to. No, it sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Anywho, let's get into it. So I did a whole PowerPoint on Undertale, which uh, was the reason that Lucy decided to play it because I didn't have to use the podcast to get her to play it. I waxed on about this game for like 45 minutes uh, and she was like, that sounds cool. For those of you who don't know, uh, we can do some background actually first before we get into the actual plot of the game. Um, So Toby Fox is a sole developer, also wrote all the music um and you know all the characters and everything he had some help with um the character design like the sprites and stuff from some other people but he was the the main driving force between pretty much everything in the game um all the creative stuff all that jazz um but yeah so he started it on kickstarter and i think it was originally a 32 month development project but i believe it took him five years to put out total um if i'm remembering that right but i could be wrong but um yeah no it received a nine out of 10 or a 10 out of 10 or five stars from every game publication that reviewed it. Um, it also won four awards, including best original RPG in 2016. Um, so it really received like this kind of amazing response from everybody who played. And again, it's an indie game, right? So like Toby Fox definitely wasn't expecting this. It kind of scared him. Whenever I think about Toby Fox's response to Undertale, I think of the guy who made um, Flappy Bird. And how like he was just terrified from all the people who were like playing his game and how like big it got. It's because like Undertale is like that, but it's not, it's not like people were sending, you know, Toby Fox death threats. I'm sure he's gotten a couple of them, but it's not like that was like because that was the main issue with the Flappy Bird creator because his game was hard. Um, but it's more just like people have made countless AUs and like web comics and other creations based off of Undertale and all sorts of stuff and like even their own games. It's just it's really gotten out of hand and a little insane. And it was like, like Undertale came out and I believe 2015, 2016, when did Undertale come out? I should know this. Uh, yeah, it came out on Steam on in 2015, came out for Switch later, but um, about three years later. But yeah, so it came out kind of at that era of Tumblr, which was still like edgy and like perfect for Undertale's aesthetic. So Undertale's aesthetic is like most of the screen is like dark, like the background is usually black. Um, it's like a 2D pixel, um, like retro style, kind of like Earthbound, if you know that game from the SNES. Um, it was at that game actually inspired a lot of kind of mechanics in the game and the way the game worked, according to Toby Fox. But but yeah, it has a lot of like darker color palettes and all that kind of stuff. Um, and like, you know, one of the main interactable characters, um, Sans, wears like a blue hoodie and like, you know, makes puns and he talks in Comic Sans and that's a pun on his name. And anyways, a lot of the aesthetic elements. Yeah. I'm sorry. This is 
the dumbest thing ever, but one of the characters, okay, so one of, in, oh my god, I'm sorry, I completely ruined your flow. Um, That's okay, I'll get it back. (laughs) In, um, in Hollow Knight, one of the little gems that, or, like, one of the little, like, shields you can get is, like, designed to look like Sans. Oh my god, I love that incredible and I it made me very happy okay keep going I'm so sorry <laughs> more on sands later but what I'm trying to say is that the whole aesthetic of this game just fit too well with what you know edgy before the terms e-girl and e-boy existed that's still what they were like the e-boys and e-girls of the internet who spent all of their waking hours on tumblr and etc you guys know who I'm talking about um <laughs> anyways <laughs> So, I wasn't edgy. I'm just, I liked Tumblr. <laughs> I never had a Tumblr. I know. It feels like, it feels like an inconsistency in my character. But anyways. You um, also don't have a TikTok, which feels like an insis- inconsistency in your character. So. I am holding out on that one. I'll make reels, but I'm not going to make, that's just me. I still am hung up on the whole TikTok making a facial recognition database. And they were found to be stealing fucking biometrics. I don't know. Anyways. But, um, so... When this game kind of came out and people started to play it and it got really big, um, I don't think Toby Fox had realized what he created. Um, and like it, part of it, like, you know, was evident as he continued to get into this development process where more and more people were supporting on a Kickstarter. I think it it blew its original. Um, yeah, I think that, yeah, it reached 51,000 where the original goal was, I believe, 5,000. Um, so one of the awards that it won was most rewarding Kickstarter fund. Yeah. Cause it was like the most, like people got the most out of it of all the like Kickstarter games. Yeah. And it was really great. A lot of the um, mini bosses in the game were actually like picked out and designed by um, certain like develop um, certain like donators um, on the Kickstarter who uh, like, there was like a certain, like if you funded X amount, they would, you know, make a, a boss that was designed by you basically, um, which was cool. So we'll go over those when we go over the game kind of in chronological order. So basically there is, to sum up all these thoughts before we get into the game, there is an excellent video um, called What the Inter- What the Internet, okay, um, I can say words. <laughs> what the Internet Did to Undertale and it's by Super Patch Wolf. And it's a very, very interesting video. It's like 40 minutes long. Um, I highly recommend that you watch it. Um, but he kind of analyzes that side of things. Uh, he explains the game a little bit, but then he just really goes into the fandom and everything that happened with it afterward. But more on the game itself. So, as I said, it has very cute, like, you know, 2D kind of uh, pixel retro style. And uh, it's from the third person. It's the top-down um, point of view. Like I said, very very similar to Earthbound. Um and you control a small human that has like a little like blue shirt with like pink stripes and um, you get to name them. You get to put in your own name and all the characters address you as that name. <clears throat> and then um, you find out that like there's this kind of opening sequence um, that explains that like everybody who goes up to this mountain um, like, you know, doesn't return. And then uh, also that like monsters and humans used to live together in harmony, but then they, you know, all the monsters were shunned underground by humans. Uh, so you go up this mountain, you fall into what is known as the underground where all the monsters live. And the monsters don't like humans because, again, the humans killed a lot of them and shunned them underground. Um, and so 
as far as game mechanics go, you, you start out with um, 20 hit points and you have a level of one. Uh, and you can level up by killing monsters, etc. You can get other gear as well. You can get gold for killing monsters and experience points. Uh, and so as you go through the game, you can kind of, it, it is an RPG um, at heart. And so you can kind of get new items and, you know, there are some strategies to some of the boss fights and stuff like that. But um, before we continue on to the actual story of the game, let's take a quick break. Anyways, the first uh, NPC that you interact with is Flowey. And um, he like, you know, seems nice. He's uh, looks kind of like a sunflower, but instead of having like a dark brown center, it has like a white center with a smiley face on it. Um, it's in black and white, right? No, no. He has uh, yellow petals and a green stone. But yeah, so you meet him and he's like, you know, trying to, he tries to trick you basically into just dying um, by appearing to be friendly at first and then very quickly trying to kill you. Um, and he puts you in this kind of impossible situation. So how, how the combat works is it's bullet hell type um, combat with basically you have your little heart. It's the red heart. It's called your soul um, in the middle and you can move it around by using the joystick. And basically you just have to dodge people's attacks. Um, in some fights, there's um, green items that you can get that will heal you, but um, for the most part, you're just trying to dodge attacks from other people. Um, so more on the combat system later, but basically, um, but Flag puts you in this unavoidable uh, position, uh, attack position, basically, where he surrounded you. And then um, Toriel, uh, this, I don't know if she's like a goat or what. I don't know. I, th- I think she's supposed to be like a goat person. She has horns, doesn't she? She has little horns. Yeah, I think she's supposed to be a goat person, but I don't fully know. Anyways, um, you're the only human in this game, obviously. So all the monsters you encounter look some form of strange, but um, I think her character design is very cute. And she kind of becomes this mom figure for you. She saves you from Flowey um, using her fire magic powers. And then she kind of like takes you into her, huh? Very hot. Oh my God. Um, she's supposed to be your mom, Lucille. Anyways. Um, so yeah. So she... No one ever said I had an mom. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of that TikTok song. It was like, or not TikTok song, TikTok sound where it's like, mommy, sorry, mommy, sorry, mommy, sorry. Anyways. Um... <laughs> okay. So uh, no mommy kinks allowed on this podcast. But anyways. We do kink shame. Um, and <laughs> I I have a reason to bring up kink shaming in this particular podcast, but we'll get into that later. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm talking about okay, the fandom they- in general. <laughs> Unless oh you God. have something you want to tell me. <laughs> is it because is it is it that people are sexualizing the main character who is like a five-year-old child? That and uh, I'm more concerned with Sans. Okay. Because he became the poster like emo, like skater boy of tumblr for a while and he's a literal skeleton okay but is sexualizing sans amazing any worse or any better than sexualizing um the uh onesler a onesler from oh wait from from the lorax yeah i think i don't know i genuinely don't know i don't think that it's i don't think that it's worse i don't know i don't want to really take a side on this because they're both terrible to sexualize okay now let's add in the triangle from uh, Gravity Falls. <laughs> I've never seen Gravity Falls, so I can't comment on that one. Anyways, what's your what's your take? Which one is the best slash worst to sexualize? 
don't know, man. The one floor is pretty. <laughs> no, I'm totally joking. Um, oh my god. No, I feel like I feel like Sands is kind of the new um like Jack Skellington. Or was yeah, for a minute. No, that, and that makes sense. Yeah, definitely was for a minute. Like also like who's that dude from Corpse Bride? I don't fucking know. The like husband from that Tim Burton move. Anyway, everyone I don't knows know Corpse is, Bride. But... No one knows their names. <laughs> exactly and i don't want to say the corpse husband because he wasn't a corpse in the movie and also corpse husband is somebody else entirely anyways um you think he did that on purpose probably I think but anyways so, so <laughs> i think so so yeah back to toriel who we're not going to sexualize um she takes you into her home like offers to adopt you but she also teaches you how to fight because there are some monsters in the area right around her house called the ruins um and she teaches you how to fight on this little training dummy and she tells you so for reference every fight that you come onto, um you have four options and four little buttons one says fight so you can attack the monster this says act and it'll give you a very uh, a very list of actions based on the encounter you can either talk to them you can a list containing variety of items um, that depend on the monster that you're fighting. So they'll either be like, you know, oh, like you can compliment them, you can flirt with them, you can um, talk to them, etc. Um, and there are several dogs in the game, and of course, one of the actions is pet, um, which is great. But anyways, um, so and then there you can also use items, which you know some will like heal or make you faster or make you more resistant to damage, etc. Um, and then the final option is mercy and it'll, uh, it has two options, spare or flee. Um, and you can try to run away from a fight, um, just like in Pokemon. Sometimes you don't always successfully run away from the fight. Um, and then, um, the spare option is only available after you've done the right amount of actions, depending on the fight. And Toriel teaches you how to, um, spare the monsters by saying that you should talk to them until Toriel shows up to save you, basically. So eventually, though, you tell her that you want to leave the underground. Um, or not the, well, you do want to leave the underground. And in order to do that, um, you have to leave her house and you have to kind of venture out into the uh, world of scarier monsters than just the ones that exist in the ruins. Um, and she tries to convince you to stay and she tries to prove to you that you're not ready to go by fighting you. Um, she won't intentionally kill you, though. So once you get down to like one hit point, um, all of her attacks will just avoid you. But I didn't realize this. And so like a dum-dum, I moved my joystick to try and escape the attacks that weren't even hitting me and then killed myself. But anyways, uh, that happened the first time I was playing the game. But anyways, the so for um, this is the first boss fight that you encounter. And boss fights are usually against more important named characters. Um, all the characters have names, but um, more important NPCs and interactable characters that exist in the overworld and not just in encounters. So you have to do... Uh, instead of having to do certain actions in order to um in order to spare them you have to just survive long enough basically so you just have to endure enough of their attacks to spare them of course you can always fight and kill them instead sometimes it's faster sometimes it's easier uh, most of the time it is so so you can either kill or spare her um and so flowey pops up um after that encounter depending on what you did and either mocks you and mocks you for either choice that you make no matter what um if you kill her you know he says oh you're a terrible person like she was trying to help you if um if and this is paraphrasing this is not what he actually says um and if you spare her he says oh that doesn't matter like what do you think you're like some you know high i and mighty person you you're so noble etc um 
so once you get out of um, the ruins, um, regardless of if Toriel's alive or not, um, you run into the next character that we started to discuss earlier, Sans. Um, so the next area of the game is called Snowden, and it's this little kind of snowy forest area. It's very cute, kind of like Christmas themed. When you go into the main town, there's a little Christmas tree that has little presents and stuff. My favorite little bit is when you're walking through the trees to get into the town, you walk underneath some trees so you're like aren't visible and then when you come out you have a little top hat made of snow yes and it actually varies depending on like when you go through it um it can be different things oh really yeah one of them is a dog <laughs> so good no yes. it's great oh that's so cute yes i've, I've okay, played this game too many times anyways um <laughs> so and that's three times in case anybody was wondering um planning on playing it a fourth not enough probably more times uh, honestly you can play this game a lot more than that um i just knew too much going in but more on that later. So you meet Sans. Uh, like I said, he's wearing his little blue hoodie. Um, and I'm looking at a picture that I have now. And it kind of looks like he's not wearing a shirt. But I don't think that's true. If so, that's concerning. <laughs> Hold on. I'm pretty sure he's supposed to be wearing a white t-shirt. No, I'm looking at this picture, which is literally a screen cap of the game. Oh, he is not wearing a shirt. It does not look like he's wearing a shirt. Toby Fox, you knew what you were doing. Anyways. Um, but yeah, so you meet Sans. Um, his initial introduction is a handshake, but he has a whoopee cushion in his hand, which sets the tone for Sans from very early on. He's like a comedian figure, kind of like the the buddy cop figure almost. And he's like trying to help you, even though you're a human and he's supposed to be like trying to hunt you down. But he's like, I don't really care about that. You seem cool. So we'll be friends. Um, and then his brother, Papyrus, which if you haven't already picked up on the fact that their names are fonts, it is emphasized in the game by whenever they talk, their dialogue boxes are those fonts. But Papyrus is this kind of sweet jock figure who is trying really hard to be like, you know, the head of the noble, like the, I think it's the Royal Guard. Yeah, the Royal Guard. Um, and he wants to be the bestest soldier he can be. Um, and so Sans is like, he's harmless, trust me. And then basically you, you meet Papyrus, he freaks out. Um, he's like, oh my God, I'm going to capture you. And then doesn't. Um, and then at one point, obviously you do have to fight um, Papyrus because he's like, I, I really, I, I like you, but I can't let this go on anymore. You're cool and everything. Cause you have a ton of, of interactions with him. Um, but anyways, so the boss fight happens. Um, you can, again, either spare him or kill him. Um, and of course, to spare him, you just have to survive long enough through his attacks. Fun fact though, is where he would kill you, instead it reduces your um, HP to just one. And then um, the fight ends and you wake up in his little attic where he has like a bowl of food for you. And he's like, aha, you're my prisoner. But the the bars that are keeping you in are like way too far apart. So you just leave and then the boss fight starts over again. But yeah, um, so there's a couple of other like mini um, boss fights in here. There's Dogami and Dargaressa, which are these two dogs that are like in love um, and you fight them. And um, you, can, you can't spare only one. If you kill one, the other one wants to murder you. Lisi knows that from experience. Yes, if you watch my, so on Twitch. <laughs> yes, actually, it's a good time to plug my Twitch streams. Um, I did do a, a Twitch Let's Play of um, Undertale. I believe all but one of the parts did get saved. Um, so most of the run is still viewable um, on my Twitch channel. But anyways, yes, I, I did. I was trying to, I was deciding randomly who I would kill or save. Um, With a dice. And alas, the coin flip wanted me to save Yes, a dice and also a coin flip, I think, at the end, because I got lazy. But originally with a dice, 
Um, and they wanted me to save one of the dogs and not save the other one, but alas, that wasn't possible. Um, and then also, uh, depending on which characters you kill or save, if, um, if that character would appear somewhere else in the game, obviously, and you kill them, they don't appear there. Um, and the first time that happens is there is a um, restaurant in Snowden, um, and there's a bunch of dogs around a table playing poker, which obvious reference there. Um, but if you have killed some of, or all of the dogs, they don't show up. Um, the main way to spare the dogs is to pet them. Um, and there's one particular dog where you can pet it so much that its head like extends off the screen. Um, because it gets so excited. It's hilarious. It is so cute. I've spent so much time talking about Snowden. Okay, this podcast is gonna be too long. <laughs> Anyways. Well, I do think, I do think with Snowden, it is like one of those areas that is very important for gameplay because you you don't really have like anything to go off of besides the ruins for what you're going to expect in the game. And I think that Snowden really sets you up for that. And I think that it's like a really good first area and it has, it's very dense. I don't know. It's just like such a dense area. I think that it works really well. I think like a lot of the things with Sans and Papyrus uh, work really well. And you end up going back to Snowden a lot if you if you choose to. Um, you didn't mention that there's a spider bakery or a spider um, bake sale. That's true. That is important. Um, in the ruins, there is a spider yeah. bake sale made by real spiders or made by real spiders? Yeah. Made made out of real spiders? Made- no, made by real spiders. <laughs> <laughs> the bake sale is to support the spiders. They're not going to sell spiders to be eaten. I don't know, man. Anyways, yeah, they sell like a donut and then some like chocolate that's an remember what it was which only costs like five gold yeah the donut's cheap um so obviously most players will pick it up um and it heals your hp in battle if you use it however if you hold on to it it has another purpose but i'll I'll save that there's a lot of little details about this game that i'll probably miss um but if you ever want more thoughts of either of ours on um, undertale feel free to message us or email us at glutenfreegamingpod at gmail.com you can also dm us on instagram snowden is a really great area just for kind of setting up the game but it also kind of misleads you into thinking that it's kind of this fun hunky-dory adventure like a little bit um it's not it's not um because sans is such a like a funny character he serves as like the comedic relief and um this is the part of the game that has the most sans interaction because snowden is where he lives anywho the next portion of the game is spent in an area called waterfall and you progress this area after the boss fight with Papyrus. And uh, very quickly, you learn that um, one of the actually good soldiers, Undyne, is out for your neck and wants you dead. So most of this is kind of, it serves as a lot of like story development and backstories explained here. Um, there's a portion where you're going through this um, area with a lot of these kind of plaques of like ancient glyphs on the walls. And they tell you the story of the war between monsters and humans and how, uh, and it tells it from the, the side of the monsters and how, you know, they were basically they didn't instigate it, of course, and also they were much weaker than the humans were um, and couldn't because um, souls. So I'm probably going to mess this up because I don't really have a succinct way of putting it in my head. So your soul, which is that little heart thing that, you know, you control during the attacks, persists outside of you after death, supposedly, according to the lore of the game. Um, while monsters don't have that. Um, so monster souls don't persist uh, after and uh, this 
persistence of human souls makes them stronger. And also I believe humans can absorb monster souls or something if they're right there at the present that they die. I don't remember, that could be wrong, but I know for sure, certain that the obvious is also true. The opposite, not the obvious. Monsters can absorb the souls of humans um, and that will make them significantly stronger. Anyways, so you read this whole story and it's very tragic about how the monsters were like, you know, scared for their lives um, and how they surrendered basically. Um, and the humans were not very nice about the whole situation. So then um, you encounter Undyne a couple of times before the actual fight. She tries to kill you. You also meet a character named Monster Kid who kind of like befriends you and is like this big fan of Undyne and then realizes that Undyne's trying to kill you and then like kind of like throws themselves in front of Undyne to save you at one point. It's very cute. Um, and Undyne obviously does not kill the Monster Kid because Undyne is a monster and trying to protect monsters by killing you. So at one point you do fall into like a kind of gar garbage dump, I would say. And the training dummy that you uh, learned how to fight on in the ruins, um, I believe it's its cousin or something that comes back to kill you. Um, and it becomes the mad dummy. And that's kind of like a mini boss fight before you fight Undyne. And um, that one was hard for me. I died a lot during that fight. What was your experience with it? Yeah, it was a hard one. I think that... Um... I think that a lot of the fights were hard for me, especially because you told me not to kill anyone. And I'm like the kind of person that'll just like do whatever's easiest. So like if it's easiest to kill a, a, a character, I'm going to do it. But this one is such a hard battle because you have all these like different mechanisms. I think it's one of the times when bullet hell really like, like breaks I don't know the the it literally breaks the fourth wall like it literally like goes outside of the boundaries mm -hmm. of what like bullet hell is supposed to be like instead of um yeah. instead of the attacks being um like on your soul like the attacks will go up and hit him like outside of the box and I think that's like super impressive um but it really just like tests the bounds of like how the uh, the actual interactions even happen. And I think that's like a very clever and interesting thing to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I thought it was really cool um, how you had to like redirect the attacks back at, at the Mad Dummy. And that was like a stumbling block for me because I thought that if I just survived long enough that I'd be able to spare it. And that is not the case. But yeah, it was really interesting. And also I was just double checking on the whole can a, a monster's soul be absorbed by a human thing? And I was wrong. It cannot, um, simply the reverse. But the persistence of human souls just make them stronger. But anyways, the next fight is the fight with um, Undyne. And she has this long speech for you. Um, and her speech is very interesting. Because uh, I would say that this is not quite halfway through the game, but getting there. You've progressed a lot at this point. You've had several interactions with um, Sans. And he's kind of like telling you about different stuff. And and Undyne has this very long speech where she's kind of like sitting on top of this mountain. It's very epic. Um, and she, if you've killed monsters up to this point, she lists all of their names and tells you like, you know, you're a terrible person, basically. Like all of these monsters had families and like, you know, they had people that they cared about. Wait, does she really? Yeah. Yikes. So this is the point where kind of the consequences of your actions start to become apparent. Um, and she chastises you for all of that. And if you haven't killed any monsters, she says, you know, oh, you think you're special. You think that um, this little, like, you know, pacifist shtick is going to get you far. Like, it's not. It's just making you weak and then tries to kill you. Um, 
But yeah, there is, so I'm thinking of Video Game Donkey's review of Undertale, um, which is great, by the way. Much shorter video. Very good. Um, And several points, he says like, damn, this game really makes you feel like a bad person. And like, he went into the game blind, was not expecting all of these guilt trips. Because most of the time when you're playing a game and these, you know, little monsters that don't even really, you know, you don't have interactions with them outside of fights, they don't matter. Um, you never get punished for that. It's like if in Mario, they kind of, they tried to guilt trip you for killing a Goomba. Like, no, the Goombas don't matter. Um, so this is definitely something that, you know, starts to set this game apart. You know, she's like, you know, all these monsters mattered. And like, all you saw was like a threat, basically. So the battle happens. It's a new mechanically, it's, it's a mechanically different battle. Um, most of these boss fights do have different mechanics introduced into the bullet hell kind of theme. So um, with Undyne's fight, uh, you become trapped and you can't move your um, soul, but you can protect it. So you get these little like shields that you can move um, in any of the four directions. Um, and then she has attacks that come from outside of that box that are like the form of little arrows and they'll come from the direction that they're pointing um, until later in the fight when they Oh, I was going to say it feels very DDR-y in, it, in the fact that it like kind of, yeah, um, like Dance Dance Revolutionary because uh, it has that like, you know, like you're trying to to attack at it. You're trying to defend different regions and you end up just going up, down, upside, yeah. left, left, side, left. Yeah, <laughs> no, it is a lot like that. Um, and I mean, if you're playing it on PC, it's definitely like that because you're playing it with, you know, the uh, WASD um so but yeah um and then eventually later on in the fight um with the yellow arrows uh, the original arrows are I, I believe blue um the yellow arrows will come from a direction that they aren't pointing and then will actually switch to that direction that they were pointing to at the very end um as like a little kind of which messes you up and is difficult um her fight i think is one of the hardest um was very difficult for me um i died a bunch but um, another interesting thing is that, like, when you die before, like, you know, boss fight, their, like, grand speeches don't get repeated, um, which is kind of a hint to how the game handles saving. Um, but we'll get more into that later. But basically, also, um, oh, Papyrus' fight. I was going to talk about Papyrus' fight. Um, his mechanical difference is that he makes your soul blue. Um, and typically, blue attacks... Um, you have to uh, not move in order to not get damaged. Um, They'll be unavoidable, but if you don't move, then you're fine. Orange attacks are the opposite. If you are moving when they hit you, you're fine. Um, But for his fight, he makes your soul blue. And then um, typically you can move anywhere in the little box. Um, But when you're blue, you have to kind of jump instead. Um, And so to avoid his attacks, you have to jump over them. And they're little like bone shaped attacks because he's a skeleton. But anyways, on to what's next? Uh, I, my mind is just thinking the hot zone. What is it called? Hotland. So I wasn't completely that far off. So yeah, so you fight um, Undyne and in order to spare Undyne actually, and this was another tricky part for me, um, you have to repeatedly flee where in most boss fights, the flee option isn't available. But every so often during the fight with Undyne, um, you'll break free of your little box trap and you'll have to move, uh, or well, you don't break free she decides to make your soul um, red again, which means you can move freely. Um, And then at that point you can select the the flea option and you have to kind of run away from her. And then once you run all the way into Hotland, um, she's wearing a full suit of armor. She's very hot, she'll collapse and you can pour um, a cup of water on her or not um, to save her. 
So you meet um, Alphys and Metaton, who Metaton is a fantastic character in terms of character design. Absolutely elegant. Excellent. Um, one could say elegant as well. Uh, very compelling. But basically, he's a killer robot that was designed by the royal scientist Alphys. Um, and Alphys is this very like nerdy, like lizard woman um, who is like trying to tries to help you and she's been spying on you this whole time it turns out using her super high-tech technology and she's nerdy she's into anime you can you know see it in all of her stuff if you look at it um and so she's like trying to help you and everything and she's like yeah so uh about this um this robot that i made uh it may be a killer robot that's uh trying to kill humans so sorry about that uh and then of course a person and tries to kill you so you have a lot of encounters um with metaton and metaton winds up being the boss fight of this area um right as you enter the core which the core is like this kind of maze-like area that leads towards the um the royal like castle of asgore asgore being the um the king of the monsters yeah yeah, the um the core is definitely like the most puzzly of the areas. Like there's a lot of like having to actually figure out puzzles. Like you mentioned the blue and orange lines um or the blue and orange attacks. There are different like lasers you have to walk through that are blue or orange um as well as like these little jumpy things that'll like hop you from platform to platform um and Yeah, I think they're like heat vents. Yeah. Yeah. And um so you have to like maneuver your way through that. I love a puzzle, so that's always fun for me. But yeah, that was like definitely like a very puzzly time. Yeah, yeah. Snowden and the core, I think, have the most puzzles. Um, Snowden has puzzles because that's the way the papyrus is supposedly trying to trap you. And like a lot of them have to do with like ice, where ice, once you hit it in a certain direction, it just carries you all the way across. You can't move on it because it's slippy slidey. Um, and these vents are like, you know, a little bit different from that. Um, you have to kind of like, it's kind of like a maze to solve most of them. That's the best way I can think to put it. And also there's some other puzzles with um, like a mini game almost that'll like that you have and you move the tile to the right place to shoot like the ship or whatever. Anyways, so yeah, there's a good amount of puzzling as well aside from just the combat to the game, which I forgot about, but is is an interesting, uh, int- yeah, important part. Anyways, so um, you have several interactions with Metaton where Metaton on top of being a killer robot is also a celebrity, basically, like the only celebrity of the underground. He um, is the like sole TV programming, basically, for the entire underground, Um, has several shows. He does the news, he does his own dramas, he does game shows, um, and all of these are kind of venues for him to try and kill you, basically, um, which are fun. There's a cooking show as well. and so you, you, these are all puzzles. Uh, the game show is just you're answering different questions. And whenever you get one wrong, it deals you a certain amount of damage. But whenever you hit just one HP, the, the fight ends because it's not a true fight. And for the, um, the news report, you have, to, you have to pick an item around you to report on. And then no matter what you pick, it winds up being a bomb in disguise. And you have to defuse all the bombs. Um, very funny. And then anyways, lots of dramatic flair in this part, um, which is great. But um, also something that I found interesting, and I think it's the most distinct when you're talking about either Sans or Metaton, but um, whenever anybody talks in the game, they're not actually saying words, but they have a kind of like a da-da-da-da-da-da-da, but it's a different pitch or like slightly different sound for each person, um, which I think is a cool touch. 
But anyways, yeah, so at the end, you do fight Metaton, and he transforms from his kind of little boxy robot shape into, like, a full android, basically, and is like, ah, my final form. Um, And there's this, like, I don't know if it's, like, ambiguous or not, but he tries to tell you that, like, Alphys has secretly been working against you this whole time and, like, hasn't made any efforts to actually get Metaton to stop wanting to kill you and has actually, like, devised this all as, like, a drama to try and get closer to you. And, like, Alphys is right outside the door as you're about to have your final fight. And, you know, she's like, let me in. And, um... And Metaton is like, you know, I know I've locked the door. I've decided to kill you for real. Uh, like he's like, I'm done. I'm done with Alphys's bullshit. Um, but Alphys kind of like helps you by telling you that you know you can use something on your um, your phone that she gave you or that she upgraded for you to fight back. And so you have these little like attacks you can do outside of the actual fight button, which is how you get to survive most of the attacks before you spare him. And in order to spare him, you have to get the TV ratings for your fight because, of course, it's being broadcast um, up above a certain level, um, which you could do by changing certain actions and also just by generally surviving. But yeah, you can, there's like, I don't remember what exactly all of them are called, but if you select one action, um, you'll get more ratings if you don't get hurt. If you select another one, you'll get more ratings if you do. And so you kind of have to like figure out, and you can memorize which one, which order his attacks come in and say like, oh, which ones am I most likely to get hurt or not? That was also a very difficult fight for me, but I think most of the boss fights are just hard. No, I, yeah, I think that like, I think that the game really does a good job of balancing, um, like humor and seriousness, hard and not hard. Like I think like, especially when you're playing pacifist, like I did, um, and like you did for two rounds, um, I think that you have a better experience with with just being able to like opt out of fights, mm-hmm. you know, only having to endure a tiny bit for most of it. So then when you get into those boss fights, it's really hard. Yeah. Because you were just like coasting for like 20 minutes or 30 minutes before you get to the next boss. Yeah. Um, so I definitely found that to be like one of the most stressful parts of the game, but obviously like, it's still so fun and it was still like such a good time. So, yeah, yeah, no, it's, I really like the way that they balanced it out and it felt very rewarding when you would finally be a boss after like dying for so long. Um, but it, it never felt like you weren't making progress. Um, like it felt like each time I was getting closer, I was getting the hang of it more. And I think that a lot of that is from the fact that you can memorize their attacks. Um, all the boss fights. Yeah all the boss fights um have a specific pattern that they follow so or only specific attacks they'll do and they'll repeat so you can figure it out that is all for today's episode we are putting out a part two next friday if you want to hear that please join us next week if you want to hear the full episode uncut we are posting that on our patreon today the day we released friday so if you want to watch that and you don't want to wait, then join us on Patreon. The $5 tier will get you the full video. Thank you and see you next week.